God, we are yours. We're so grateful for Jesus today. We're so grateful for your presence that does fall. And uh, like, like Meg was talking about, we want to exist um, for you, not for self. We don't want our life li- lived for you to sneak back into actually being about us in a way that derails us and bears bad fruit. We, we want our lives to be on the altar and stay on the altar So we ask now, God, that your word would cut us open and your word would divide us like a surgeon's scalpel and would clean out the old and preserve that which is new and right and good and from you. We ask, God, for you to build us up in our faith that we would trust you and bear the fruit of Jesus living through us. God, we remember the families who lost children in that shooting this week, and we ask for you to bring help that we don't know how to bring. We ask for systemic change. I don't know what's wrong with the country, but you do understand, and we ask for change, and we ask for the willingness to do, to take whatever medicine you prescribe to us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I think I want to talk a little bit about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, There was a a bunch of activity on trade deadline day. If you know anything about the Cavs this year, they had like this all-star cast that just couldn't get it together. They were going through a major slump in the middle of the season. And even though they got like Isaiah Thomas and, you know, D. Wade's on you know, was coming off the bench, but like they just had this all-star cast of players and, and they were squabbling in the locker room and uh, fighting on Twitter and like morale was low and I think OKC scored like 146 points against them. Is this okay? Is this weird? This is a little weird. It's going to be okay though, trust me. We're going somewhere. OKC scored like 140, how many points was that? 146, 148, something crazy. It was like embarrassing, you know? And... Uh, Then all of a sudden the trade deadline happens and my phone starts telling me all these things because Google keeps track of what I'm interested in hearing about and their little algorithm makes sure that, you know, you get what you are interested in seeing. So it's like, Isaiah Thomas was traded uh, to the Lakers. And I'm like, no way. And Derrick Rose is gone and D. Wade's going back to Miami and Imam Shumpert is gone and and who else? Who am I missing? Uh, Dreadlock dude. Um, Jay Crowder's gone and... And they got, like, four players they got. Um, Hood, Hill, Nance Jr., who's fantastic, and then uh, Jordan Clarkson. And Clarkson, and no, keep talking, it's great. <laughs> Why are you shushing him, man? This is his conversation. This is a good one. And, and so they get, they're getting rid of these, you know, all-star players, basically. These incredible players. I mean, I know Derrick Rose is Past his prime back in the day, you know, when he was 2006 MVP with, with the Bulls, like, he was a different player. His knees weren't shot out and everything. But, but still, these, like, an all, getting rid of this all-star cast to get these young up-and-comers who haven't, like, they, it seemed like a risk. And then the very next game, all of a sudden, the Cavs are back. They're playing defense with energy. They're playing with joy. They're high-fiving. When somebody does something good on the court, the entire bench comes up to like, oh, you know, and their thing where they're holding each other back, like, no way, no way. There's this joy all of a sudden again. And then the best, the best result of, of this trade is that they got LeBron back. 
You know what I mean? They got LeBron back, even though he was playing his hardest all, all year. But if, if, if nobody else is opening up the court, you know, he can't make plays. And I was trying to figure out, like, what just happened here? Because I don't think their skill level raised significantly. So why did, why, what, what all of a sudden happened? And then I heard this comment, I read this commentator say, when you got a bunch of these experienced veteran players, ego gets in there. And when ego gets in there, instead of being grateful to be on the team, everyone's looking at somebody else to blame for when things aren't going right. And entitlement creeps in and gratitude goes out the door. And the next thing you know, you have conflict and then morale suffers. And I was thinking, oh, it was, I was just it was so intriguing. So you bring in these young players, and even though they're incredible, I mean, like Nance Jr., I don't know if you can say enough about what he's doing in the center position, like when he rebounds and defense and hustle. And so I started thinking about, like, the Lord, obviously. I started thinking about, like, how our gifts mean very much nothing to the Lord. Our past accomplishments mean nothing if we lose our gratitude and if we lose our, like, we're thankful to be on the team and our joy to, 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 to come up and, like, hustle and, and be there for the guy next to us, not for ourselves. Like, not give me, nobody pass me the ball. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, I was like, man, this is a really biblical thing, even though I know it's basketball. But it's like a really, and now they, they all of a sudden went from nobody, nobody thinks they even have a chance to make it through the playoffs or maybe even to the playoffs to now they're actually in the conversation of they're probably the best team in the East. I think they are. Actually, if, if, if they're playing, if, I still think LeBron's the best player playing right now. Anyway, I'll probably come back to that later, but I don't know. If you got your Bible, please turn to Hebrews chapter 3. They're a team again. They're playing like a team again. Celebrating each other's victories. Anyway, okay. Hebrews chapter 3. Listen to the word of the Lord, starting at verse 12. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day, while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ." Remember what it says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? This is the word of the Lord. So it starts by saying, be careful about your own heart. That it does not become evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. But then it also says, be careful about everyone else's heart around you. And, you know, some translations say warn each other. Some say encourage each other. Every day. So that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Or maybe another translation says, 
hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If you're being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, you don't know it. Because it's deceptive. And hardness doesn't happen today with one major decision. It happens little by little over time. And that's why it says watch each other's back. Of course, watch your own walk. Of course, of course stay in your face-to-face with Jesus' walk. Of course that. But you're your brother's keeper too. I have this theme on my heart, and I don't, you know, I don't know how to unpack it all, but it's called The Secrets of Resilience. And, I'm, and it's, not, it's not saying, hey, Lord, I should teach a sermon series called Secrets of Resilience. No, it's me saying to God in private, God, will you teach me the secrets of resilience? And I didn't say endurance. I said resilience. Endurance is one thing. Resilience is something else. Endurance is a very high level of performance, but there's even something higher called resilience. Years ago, I remember reading Romans chapter 5 and getting stopped on verse 3 because it says, Perseverance leads to character. Char- Actually, it says produces. Perseverance produces character. Yes. Character produces hope. Yes. And that's when I realized discouragement and hope, which are the two flip sides, those are character issues. They do not have to do with how your marriage is going, how your friends are doing, how church is going, how work's going. They have to do with character. I like sort of made a rule. I will never put anyone on the eldership team that does not have hope. Like sustained, enduring, durable, over the long haul hope. This is why Hebrews 13 says, submit to your leaders, consider, consider who are over you in the Lord, Let, you know, submit to them so that their work's not a burden, but rather could be a joy. And then it says, consider the outcome of their way of life and emulate their Faith. Why? Listen, when people who've been through life are still joyful and hopeful, when they're, when, when they're bearing good fruit and they're, in, and they're well along in years, it's not because God made some sort of like, like all the trouble, it could just, he just like moves the trouble so it just goes around them and they just, you know what I mean? No, they're, they're, it's hitting them just like it hits everyone. The wise and foolish alike. The storms of life come to the wise and foolish alike. And when you see someone who's bearing good fruit and they're at peace, they're not bitter, they're taking responsibility for their life and they're moving on. They're they're continuing to grow. They're continuing to seek. They're continuing to change and learn. They're, They're stronger and wiser and sharper now than they were 10 years ago. That's not accidental. That's not good genes. That's not good genes. That's character, which produces hope. Where does it come from? They never quit. They never bailed. If Jesus said, stand here, they held the line and they didn't quit. They found a way to dig down deep into the relationship with Jesus. I'm writing a song right now. I'll give you some of the lyrics. I won't sing it for you. I'm writing a song right now and, boy, maybe I don't want to. It's kind of vulnerable. Ugh. I'm surrounded by the ashes of my dreams. And I'm trying to understand exactly what this story means. But I don't know. Can you tell me? Well, faith can move the mountain. And sometimes the mountain moves. But it takes love to keep you rooted when the mountain falls on you. And I don't know. 
if I am. Those are the verses. I won't give you the rest. Later, maybe when it's done. Faith can move the mountain, and sometimes the mountain moves, but it takes love to keep you rooted when the mountain falls on you. Hardship's coming. But those who hope in the Lord... Anybody know where the, the verse we... You, did you guys, by the way, did you like us having that Eagles verse? The, the Isaiah 40, 30, what is it, 40, 31? Did you like that being on our sign? Yes, yes. I loved it. Yes. Yes. I loved it prophetically, and I loved it just in terms of... Uh, I don't like the Patriots. <laughs> okay. It was just fun. It's just poor Garrett. Anyway. But Isaiah 40, 31... Uh, you know what? I'm just going to flip over there real quick. If you guys could flip ahead to Hebrews chapter 10, that would be fine. You guys can flip to Hebrews chapter 10 while I'm going to go try to find Isaiah 40. Okay, listen to this. Is that too many malt? Like, is it ADD overload? If I have you turn there and I read this. Can you, can you juggle scriptures? Just, just listen to this. This is like, I know this is like coffee cup verses, but there's a reason verses get on coffee cups. It's because they really speak to some people. All right? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord, other translation, those who hope in the Lord, will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. All right, let's flip that. Those that... Trust in the Lord, find strength, soar, wings like eagles, run, not grow weary, walk, not faint. But what if, you, what, if you, what if you are fainting? What if you are weary? What if you're falling like a rock? What does that reveal? Listen, a lack of hope reveals misplaced hope. A lack of hope reveals misplaced hope. You are hoping in the wrong things. Honestly, like Brian Connolly came and said, there's going to be repentance in the body of Christ. And I think this is is really close to the center of what some of it's going to be. It's about idolatry. The relationship you have with Jesus is you winning the lottery of of existence. You are are getting everything you could have ever hoped for in him. And that is meant to root you in an eternal perspective and in a relationship that's so durable and so powerful and so replenishing that that going right means that nothing else in your life has to go right for you to have hope. And that's the thing from which you live toward the brokenness of the planet. And I'm just... 
Because if you hope in the Lord, you renew your strength. And there's a progression. It's funny. It's a backwards progression. Soar on wings like eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. Why is it backwards? I don't know. You tell me. I just find that curious. I would have written it the opposite way. I would have been like, ever increasing glory. That's how I would have. I would have said they will, you know, if they're fallen, if, if their hope is in the Lord, they go and get back up. If they can't move, they're going to start walking. And if they're walking, they're going to start jogging. And if they're jogging, they're going to be running. And if they're running, they're going to be flapping them wangs. That's how I would have written it. But if your hope is in the Lord, your strength renews. What? Why? Do you renew your strength? Do you, are you the source of your strength? Are you what this is about? So corporately, is, 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 is this story we're in is gateway? Is it about gateway? Is our encouragement and our momentum, does it come from what we achieve together? If we're a Tower of Babel church, it will be about that. Do you know what a Tower of Babel church is? Carl's like, "Mm mm-hmm. A Tower of Babel is, we don't know who we are until we're a part of something successful. And so we cannot handle being a part of anything that fails. Right? So if church isn't going well, we leave. If we don't get our way, we leave. If someone hurts my feelings, we leave. Because if this thing isn't going right, by worldly standards, worldly standards, budgets and butts, nickels and numbers, momentum and moods, then we are out, man. We're out. But what if, like, I don't know, like I have this thing in my heart that's like, why can't Jesus be the gospel? Like, why does, why does the church have to try to be the gospel? Why does how my life is going? What if you're a prophet in the Old Testament and everyone hates you and they throw you in a well and they kill you? Did you fail? Like, there's so many parables about this thing. The three servants, they're all entrusted something. The one doesn't do anything with it because he doesn't want to fail. It's a, it's a parable of cowardice versus courage but look what look what the master says to the faithful ones you were faithful in a few things what if they were faithful but they failed do you think they would have gotten encouragement it's just a thought i keep having the difference between success and faithfulness now obviously i want to be fruitful because i want to give jesus something with the return on his investment in my life So I want to be effective. I want to bear fruit. I want to help people as much as I possibly can. But it's so easy to to look with human eyes. Here's another story Jesus told. They're they're at the church. We'll just call it church. It's not. They're at church and the offering plate goes around. And there's big offerings and there's little offerings. And the big offerings make noise. Got coins. They don't have checks. They don't have credit cards. They got coins. So the big offerings make noise and turn heads. Big offering, you turn, ooh, and this guy's got a big thing, you know, a big phylactery on, he's got his flowing robes, and he's like, I'm, I'm godly. And the reason I'm rich is because I'm godly too, I'm giving my big offerings. Oh, we better pay close attention to what that person wants, you know, because then we'll lose his offering, oh. 
And then here comes this little old lady, and she puts in a little, a little penny, and no one, no one even notices, no one even hears, but Jesus is like, hold up, what did I just hear? I heard the biggest offering. And then he has to train the disciples how to think like heaven thinks. Because it's so normal to think like the world that the followers of Jesus still think like the world. And that's true today. And I think one of the things that's so discouraging that causes people to lose hope is that we don't look at our lives with kingdom lenses. Jesus is a royal failure of a Messiah from earthly perspectives. And just when it's going well, he like finds ways to drive people away. Like he avoided the crowds, you guys. He wasn't trying to get a lot of people at a meeting. He was trying to train a small number of people to live a completely different way. To see something in the Father that other people didn't even have the patience to seek. To, to get a few people who were willing to die. A few people who were willing to throw their lives away for love of him. Not viewing their lives wasted on him as a waste. And I feel like sometimes it's so easy for us to look with our eyes, evaluate with our, with our value system that's not redeemed, conclude that life's not going well, and then sit on the ground in despair. Or be anxious and find some human to blame. Because if you're anxious, you will find someone to blame. Anxiety breeds blame. Faith connects you to God's love, which produces hope. And then you bear good fruit in the midst of the waiting cycle. Look, do you want this process? Do you honestly want this process? Do you want 14 years after Saul anoints David king? Do you want the 14 years where he's on the run, being hunted, not king at all? And the only one who wants to hang out with him are these people who are embittered and in debt, that their families and their communities don't want anything to do with them? That's the, that's, but the promise comes... And then, the, and then the making process comes. And it's 14 years for David for that. And then once he gets into power, it's not like suddenly it gets easy. Do you want his life? Do you want Paul's life? Do you want Moses' life? Do you want Joseph's life? Do you want Abraham and Sarah's life? This promise, this promise comes. Actually, it's more than one promise. The promise of being gods, but then also the promise of land and the promise of children that are going to outnumber the sands and the seashore and the stars and the sky. And what happens then? They get the promise and then what happens? They lived in tents their whole lives, you guys. They went around without owning a piece of land for most of their life. And when they got land, it still wasn't the full promised land. They did not die having seen the reality that was promised to them, but only seeing it from afar. How? By faith. But they died in faith. Joseph, when he's old and dies in Egypt, away from the promised land, he says, one day God's going to keep the promise he made to my grandpa. So when that happens, take my bones, 
dig them up, and carry them back to that land. And these all, this is Hebrews 11, these all were commended for their faith. Faith's not like God says this and then it happens, and that's how we know he really said it. And that's why we're so encouraged. If you're living for a city with foundations, that's actually the chorus of the song I'm writing. In the city with foundations, there are no seasons. It's never shaken. And our roots are to be there. No seasons. Never shaken. But it has nothing to do with the momentum of how your life's going from an earthly perspective. It has everything to do with how rooted you are in the secret place, face to face with God, heart to heart with God, hearing what he said and believing and living by his voice. Anxiety will lead to blame. You will find someone to blame. But the voice of the Lord will lead things to become very simple. You will hear his voice, obey, and you will get his results. And you will trust him with the rest. Because most of it's outside of your control, but something is under your control. What you do with your heart, what you, with you, what you do with your voice, with what you do with your one small life, will you throw it away? Will you waste it on Jesus and will you walk by faith? Or will you find a way to trust something else? And look what happens when Abraham and Sarah lapse in their reason. We've got to make this promise happen. We've got to make this promise happen. We've got to make this promise happen. What are we going to do? Y'all know about the whole Isaac situation, right? Or not Isaac situation. You know about the whole Ishmael situation, right? You're biblically literate, right? You read your Bibles every day? I feel like I'm taking a big risk preaching without notes today. Because preaching without notes, what's inside here just comes out. Preaching with notes, I can keep myself from saying things that might hurt people's feelings and be unhelpful. There is a way. There is a way to stay fresh, and there is a way to stay green, and there is a way to bear fruit, and there is a way to stay joyful. Oh, I said you were supposed to turn to Hebrews 10. We'll get to that. I know that, I know that one of the secrets to resilience is keep seeking Jesus. Absolutely keep seeking Jesus. Philippians chapter 3. Keep seeking Jesus, keep seeking Jesus, keep seeking Jesus. There's seeking Jesus and then there's seeking Jesus. There's praying and then there's actually fellowshipping. There's listening prayer and then there's surrender. I feel like, I feel like there's a repentance that actually... The, the repentance that's coming to us, I, I already said it once, I'll just find a way, for, see if I can say it again. I feel like the repentance that's coming to the body of Christ is we have, made, we have made this about us. We've made it about me, 
We've made it about we. But if it's truly about him, then it's really okay if my life is wasted. And it's truly okay if we don't get the credit. You know, you know why I wear other churches' t-shirts and put the advertisement for the worship center on the video with Meg? Because I really want to stomp that evil weed out of my heart that tries to get Gateway's brand and Gateway's self-esteem boosted. And This is a great place. You should come to our church. We, Gateway's wonderful. Gateway, Gateway, Gateway. That's, that's American CEO mentality. Trying to boost, boost my brand, boost my business, get my stock prices up. No, Jesus is the vision. The vision's not gateway. The, the vision is Jesus. And if the vision is Jesus, then the kingdom values have to come through loud and clear. Like, we don't need the credit for something Jesus does. But it's, super te- it's a super tempting thing to do, isn't it? I remember there's a church in, our, in, our, in Lexington, Kentucky... There's a church in Lexington, Kentucky. Should I name the church, Lord? Nah, don't name the church, he said. And they were growing like, they were just, they were just blowing up, man. They were doing a fantastic job connecting the power of Jesus, the, the, the kernel of the gospel, to sneaky, they were excellent fishermen. They were clever at crafting the lures to set the hook. And I don't mean that in a devious bad way. I mean that in a, they were brilliant evangelistically. And so people were coming to Christ. I went to a service where all these people were being baptized. And I, I saw the pastor really struggling to give glory to Jesus because all the people wanted to give glory to their church. Tell us your story. Well, this church is amazing. I love this church. Without this church, I'm nothing. Before I met this church, and then after I met this church, and this church, and this church. And the pastor was just, you could see him, and he was in pain. Because he was a man with a pure heart. He was in pain. He was like, what did Jesus do for you? And they're like, church, 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 church. <laughs> and and he, he just, you could tell he was just like, uh, it was like he was getting, it was like somebody was slapping him every time. Because he could feel the idolatry in the room. It was, about, it was about us belonging, us being a part of a movement, us being a part of a successful thing. And he's like, no, it's not. The Lord is beautiful. The Lord is love. The Lord is the glorious hero of this story. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. It's his grace. It's his peace. It's his blood. It's his spirit. It's his gospel. It's he's the one who connects us to the Father through baptism. He's the victory. We're the little ones. He's the hero. We're the weak ones. He's the strong one. It's one church worldwide. Doesn't have walls. She's interdenominational. She's intergenerational. She's interracial. She's diverse. She's beautiful. She doesn't speak a lot of English. You're going to like that part. It's going to be funny. But she's all about the Father, Son, and the Spirit. She's not about herself. And I think that's the repentance that's got to come to the body of Christ. Why my life's only going is good as my life's going. It's going as well as the resurrection is going. Our life's only going as good as our budget and momentum is going. Ah, it's as good as the gospel is going. And if you'd flip it and get rooted in heaven, I'm pretty sure the earthly situation would either come around or it wouldn't matter that much. Because pleasing Jesus, not succeeding, is succeeding. He's poured his spirit out on your life. What are you going to do to bear fruit with that? 
He's redeemed you from hell and made you his treasure and brought you into the place of intimacy. What are you going to do with that? Stew about what somebody else fails to see in you? He's brought you into this place where you can simply hear his voice, just like Abraham, be patient, never quit, endure, come into his presence and hear what he has to say and then withstand the drought without dying. Look, this is the only opportunity in our eternal lives where we get this chance to walk by faith. This is the only opportunity in the eternal choir where we get to raise up our voices when we don't feel like it. This is the only opportunity we have in our eternal lives to say no to our flesh and yes to our spirit and overcome in the midst of the trial. Ah. I think, I, I'll, I'll just read the Hebrews 10 passage, then I'll stop. I, I, so the one secret of resilience is keep seeking Jesus. Another one is each other. Encourage one another daily. Man, encouragement is one of the secrets of resilience. You know how many times we criticize each other? At the point where the other person doesn't need criticism at all, they actually need encouragement. Do you know how much it hurts a sad, heavy heart going through a hard time who's being faithful to have someone poop all over them, discouraging criticisms? When what they needed is somebody to get alongside and say, I believe in you. I believe in God's call in your life. I believe in the integrity of what you really want. I believe in what Jesus says about you. And I'm not giving up on you, buddy. You're going to make it. Run even faster. Do what he's telling you. I trust what you're hearing. Take even greater risks. I'm with you all the way. I've got your back. And I don't care what the haters say. I'm going to stand with you no matter what. Even if you're wrong. I started weeping listening to The Pretenders last week, which is a little bit weird. I'll stand by you. I'll stand by you. Won't let nobody hurt you. Take me into your darkest hour, and I'll never desert you. I'll stand by you. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. Look, this is a command in your Bible, encourage one another. And then in Hebrews 3, encourage one another. Daily. So you could put that on your post-it note or on your phone or set an alarm. It says, make sure you encourage somebody today. Because I'm just like, man, everybody needs courage. Because faith and courage are deeply intertwined. And unbelief and cowardice are deeply intertwined. What is it to encourage? It's to impart courage. I'll finish the verse. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's enough for today. Go ahead and stand. I pick you. It's a pick. Okay. 
Oh, uh, this is fun. This is the 10-year anniversary of the Millers coming to Delaware to serve this church. Isn't that interesting? 10 years. I think so. I think this is is like Valentine's Day-ish. You don't have to do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that for applause. Oh, you're making me uncomfortable. That was uncomfortable for me. I didn't do that for any applauses. 10 years. How old were you? Eight. Eight. (laughs) Let's pray. Jesus, you are the hero of this story. I invite you, God, even deeper. I invite you to expose our hearts even more. God, we want, we want you to cut us open. We want you to reside in us more fully. We want you to be our treasure. We want to be rooted in this relationship with Abba that you were rooted in, Jesus. You walked first and you showed us the way. Now you're here to help us walk in this thing. And God, yeah, of course we want Gateway to thrive. But Holy Spirit, I ask that you would protect our hearts from idolizing this church so that it has power to bring us into discouragement and unbelief. Let us be so rooted in Jesus that when we show up at church, we're already encouraged because of the gospel, and we're here to encourage others, not measure to see if we should be encouraged based on how church is going. Deliver us out of that idolatry, because that's what it is. It's idol, it's, it's idol worship. You are God. We, your people. I pray for a face-to-face walk with you, God, where our hearts are drinking deeply of who you are and surrendering daily, saying, yes, it's your will. It's not what I want. It's not my dreams for my life. It's your dream for my life. And I will waste my life on you because you're worth it. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.